Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus today, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Last week, as we are heading toward the fifth anniversary of the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, we spoke about keeping our children safe in schools. This week, we're going back to school. We're going to get schooled on how to address issues that can pull young people off track and how to get them back on track with the help of their parents and Be Strong International, a Miami-based nonprofit organization committed to educating youth and parents and fostering and maintaining themselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I think this is going to be a (laughs) feel-good. I am very happy to welcome the CEO and Chief Heart Officer of Be Strong International, Michelle Shirley. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Can you give us an overview of what Be Strong does? Oh, wow. Well, again, thanks for having me. And of course, Be Strong International has actually been around now for 31 years. Amazing. So that's the first thing. We have just done incredible work within Miami-Dade and Broward County. And what we do is we provide heart skills. We want young people, we want parents, we want married couples, and we want the community to be whole. And so our mission is to move individuals and families from brokenness to wholeness. And we do that all through healthy relationship education, what we've coined as heart skills. So when you're talking to young people, you know, how do they navigate through their relationships? How can they recognize what a toxic relationship even looks like? What is love to them? What does that look and feel like? You know, and so we go through that as adults through trial and error, mm-hmm. but it's dangerous when young people are experimenting with their feelings and their emotions in a way that could really lead to some serious consequences that later on they don't want to be a part of or they realize they've done some things that weren't so great. And so we do that there with the young people. And then we have a division basically really just for parents where we're saying to parents, hey, you know what? You are the most influential person in your child's life. Forget about Beyonce right now. Put Maroon 5 on hold. You know, we really believe that if we can empower and equip parents to understand how important their voice is, in their child's heart and mind, their relationship can go a long way and they can deter that child from getting into some really risky behaviors very early. So everything from how to raise responsible children, how to raise confident children, how to raise resilient children, how to talk to your teens about avoiding risky behaviors. That's all part of what we do and the parents really love it. And then we have our marriage program where we are hoping that couples will want to take the challenge of going through an eight-week course where they learn how to increase intimacy and they learn effective communication and they learn about fighting fair and all these wonderful things. And so they have a date night through our program. They get to attend a graduation ceremony. But most importantly, we see the need for community, right? How can a married couple not feel alone when they're going through certain things? And so our cohorts help to build community 
And we're really excited about the results that we've seen with the married couples that come through our program. And of course, we do community work. So we're all about reaching back, helping organizations, helping corporate entities learn what it means to have a healthy dialogue in the workplace. Or if it's a community effort, how do we bring communities together? How do we bring other nonprofits together? How do we learn and share stories that allow us to connect? And we do that through our most recent game that we released called Social Yaks, and they can find that online. So there's a lot we do. I'm just covering yes. <laughs> some of the programs in a nutshell, but it's a lot. Yeah. Well, everything you said to me is magical. I have often thought about how ironic it is that the most important job in the world we get no training for, and that's being a parent. Yeah. And to have educated people who really invest their time in teaching parents and to have parents who are willing to invest their time in learning can make such a difference for the children. And when you talk about the married couples in a country where two thirds of marriages almost mm-hmm. end up in divorce and then mm-hmm. they get remarried and redivorced and, uh-huh. you know, it's this uh, ongoing cycle. Everything you've said about communication, about how to face the challenges and how to seek support from those around you. Those are such key elements of getting through life that nobody really teaches us. You know, it's not part of the school curriculum. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. And you've hit your nail right on the head. It's spot on. I mean, we are made to connect to one another. And when you're not connected, that's when, and not always, But a majority of the time, that's when you see people fall into depression. They fall into a a mental state that's not good. And we really, really, sometimes a hug goes a long way. Sometimes, hey, how are you really doing? You know, Yes. Uh, when a kid comes home, it's like, how was your day? And they just say, okay, fine. And they move on and you move on. Is that really what you want? No, you want your kids to be opening up about, oh my gosh, like, mom, I can't begin. Where do I begin today to tell you what happened? You know, and that, that builds such a bond between a parent and their child. And, you know, parents recognize eventually that their kids, even as they are growing, they need them in different ways, you know, so. I know you work with both Miami-Dade and Broward County Schools. Is there an age range in particular that you're working with or focusing on? So we're focusing on middle school and high schools. We even do some alternative education schools as well. We serve private schools. We serve charter schools, but that's pretty much the age range, middle and high school. We've done some college events here and there when colleges want us to come in and speak to incoming freshmen as well about Mm. some relationship stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a major change in people's lives. And so many freshmen, you talk about the freshmen 15 or 20, that's just the (laughs) physical part. That's not talking about the emotional head games that we can play with ourselves in a new environment with the pressure to succeed Mm -hmm. and all new people around you. So yeah, Mm -hmm. life is complicated. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. And it's complicated when you're still 17, 18, you know, the brain hasn't fully developed to make all of the right decisions at that time. And so if we can be the voice of reason to young people and say, hey, think about this, think about what it is that you want in a future relationship. And it doesn't even have to always be romantic. You know, what kind of friends are you choosing? How are you a great friend? What do you look for when you're choosing a friend? Right. Right. Things that we don't think about. We just say, hey, nice to meet you. Hey. And oh, this seems cool. And then later on, you're like, "Mm, I don't get down with that. Like, that's not my thing, you know? Yeah. Because (laughs) it's as hard to break up a friendship as it is to break up a romantic relationship. 
And yeah. and it's mm-hmm. really powerful what you're talking about, this being Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, when mm-hmm. you started talking about toxic relationships yep. and things that teenagers can get into because they don't have the experience. And unless they have that open communication with their parents to teach them, yeah. where are they learning it? From television? I can go on about that, but let's stick with right. Be Strong yeah. International. <laughs> Your staff obviously has to be trained and skilled to do this. What is the background of the people who are working with you? It's funny you should ask that. Um, We have people really from different backgrounds. Many of our facilitators actually have some experience in working with children already. Um, A couple of our leaders have a degree in communications or some sort of social work background to be here, but then we train them on the materials that we provide and we go through an intensive onboarding process because they need to be fully vested and vetted and saying, you know, the things that our organization is aligned with. And so that's pretty much it, but we can train most people and we've gone to train organizations as well to do our work. So well, in a way, the card game, your new game that you mentioned, Social Yaks, is kind of a mm-hmm. training on its own when you talk about how it promotes empathy and helps individuals form stronger connections. And that's so key to having good relationships with people. Absolutely. What is this card game? How does it work? <laughs> I know, right? And to give a little backdrop about the card game, you know, in 2020, when so much divide was happening in our country, we were there kind of watching what was happening on the news and we wanted to figure out a way, like, how can we be even more impactful in our work? And so we brought police officers together. We brought victims of gun violence together. We brought teachers. We brought students together, people from different religions, people from different ethnic backgrounds. And we started to experiment really with having these people at different dinners and just having a conversation about what these differences are and how is this hindering us from being a loving, generous, giving, caring, empathetic society. And what we found out at the core was that people really didn't take the time to understand people's point of view. And so that's how the social yaks game sort of came about where we realized if we asked people questions and then we started to strategically go a little deeper, people really begin to open up even to tears sometimes and compassion becomes evident and people become engaged and people start to realize, oh, I I would have never expected looking at you that that would be your story. You know, you came to the dinner and you were well-dressed or you seemed very strong and yet by the third level of the game, they're a bit emotional about certain things oh. because the game was able to pull that out. And then someone else in the room can say, you know what? I went through that too. Or I understand. Or wow, I commend you for being so strong. And so those are the things that we love. And it's so, like you said, almost magical in the room when people get to know each other better through simple things that create vulnerability. So this game has four levels of play. Um, the first level is the polar bear level, and it's enough to break the ice. Right? That's the joke oh, I was thinking have, I'm right? as cold as ice. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we've done some groups where it's like, okay, we'll, we'll play this level a couple of rounds, right? Because they may not be used to just sharing certain basic things. So 
that's how we get started. And then it moves over to level two, which is our YAC level, where it's about getting a little bit more social and learning a little bit more about each other. And then we start to go deeper with level three and four, where you're digging deeper with some questions. Vulnerability really, really becomes present. And on the last level, which is really unique, the question is asked by the player, but people around or in that group answer the question for that player. Wow. So the player kind of gets to receive some encouragement. You know, it's really, it's a science behind it, right? You've opened up yourself, you've become vulnerable, and then you kind of need to close that lid, make sure that person's okay. Can they walk away with some encouragement and some empowerment to keep going? And that's what's really unique about the owl level. It's like that wisdom Love level that. that the players need to share. Yeah. So... We would definitely love support on this. You know, we are a nonprofit being creative and innovative about how we allow people to explore relationships with one another. And so that's the game. Can you get the game at your website? Absolutely. Our game is on our website at bestrongintl.org. They can also find the game on Amazon and Etsy. And are there instructions that come with how to create a safe space? within that environment? And who are the people you should be doing this with? You know, some people may feel more comfortable opening themselves up to complete strangers than the people they know right. best. What's the recommendation well, you know, on we've that? Seen, there's no limits to the game. We realized that as we tested, because we went through quite a bit of testing and retesting and questions and all of that, we realized that even when we go to corporations and we play this game, there's the same level of vulnerability eventually. Why? Because the game strategically opens you up. It's not like, okay, just tell me about, you know, a situation that embarrassed, you know, you were embarrassed. You know, it, it doesn't go straight to that. And so I think it's strategic in how it does it. And you can play it anywhere. People have played it on road trips. People have played it with strangers, you know, maybe in like a coffee shop. And people have played it even as a workplace. Part of our onboarding is that we have new team members. When they join, we play a game, wow. right? We want to get to know this person that comes on. So it's been pretty fun and there's no real harm in it that we've seen. I do think that, you know, if you play the game properly and you end with the owl level, it's really solidifies, you know, the purpose of the game, which is to empower and to encourage and to be empathetic with one another. Yeah. So. When mm -hmm. you're going through the schools, how do you bring the program into the schools? So they have us come in and speak. We are approved to go into Miami-Dade and Broward County Schools. And so they'll have us, the principal or the counselor reaches out to us. And then we're assigned to a couple of classrooms to be able to share the information directly with the kids. And then we like to do sort of like a whole community follow-up where we can come in later on and do the parent workshops, offer the Mary component to those parents as well. So we try to do a little bit of like a wraparound within that school that we're serving all of the services so that everyone's having a conversation about relationship building. But that's pretty much how we get in through okay. principals, through counselors. If a teacher wants to reach out, they can find us online. And if someone is married and having some troubles and they want to get your support for their marriage, Again, can they hire you or use your services? Are they free? How does that work? <laughs> so it is free. We do it in group sessions. So if they're part of their own community group and they know a couple of couples and they want to get them together, we can do that definitely with them. We've visited churches. We've had couples come and they're part of our individual cohort. It doesn't matter where they're from. They just need to go to our website and there is um, an interest form on whichever 
program that they're interested in, and we will be able to follow up with them and let them know when is the next time that they can join the next cohort. And that, again, is Be Strong, I-N-T-L dot org for Be Strong International. Tell me about your Hearts in Rhythm charity event on April 27th. We are excited about this event. As I mentioned, we are celebrating 31 years of service to the community. And so this is a time where we ask the community to pour into us, to support us. Um, We have amazing honorees this year that are part of this event from FPNL to Miami-Dade County representatives, someone from Univision, Amazon. And so we are looking for sponsors to be a part of this event where they can show that they are vested in community organizations like ours. And we just want to have a great time that night and celebrate all of the things that Be Strong has accomplished in 31 years. And so our reception sponsor is South State Bank, and the list goes on and on of sponsors that are coming to the table. So we're excited about that. So please purchase your tickets online or support us by becoming a, a company sponsor. And again, that's bestrongintl.org. And they can go to our events page and see our Hearts in Rhythm charity event page there. Love it. I'm so in line with everything you're talking about. I just thank you for putting your heart and soul into this work and the people who work with you and the thousands of young people that you've positively impacted families and partners. Again, it's BeStrongintl.org for Be Strong International. Michelle Shirley, CEO and Chief Heart Officer. Did you want to leave a few words with our audience? Sure. You know, I always say we have a journal as well that we released about two years back. And one of the quotes I love in the journal, it says, it's never too late to start over again. And so someone may be listening. They may be in a relationship. They might have just come out of a relationship. And wherever your mind space is, you know, just think about the fact that you're alive, you're breathing, you're going through some things right now, but just know it's never too late to say, you know what, I'm going to change my current situation as best as I know how and to find the resources to do that. That's what life is about. It's about getting up again. It's about finding the courage to keep going, even in the midst of the greatest adversities. I always like to encourage people because people are going through really rough times and sometimes they just need that encouragement and that hope that they can start over again. Well, thank you for that. And it's always good to know that there's someone out there who's ready to listen and we'll do it for free. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Re- it's important. It is really important that people have someone to turn to who knows how to help. And that's what Be Strong International is all about. Thank you so much, Michelle. Fantastic to talk to you, and we'll speak again in not too long. Awesome. Thank you, Ellen. For our next segment of Community Focus, we're looking at the ongoing issue of domestic violence and the growing issue that's addressed in February, Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Joining us now, the president and CEO of Women in Distress, Dr. Linda Parker. Thank you for being with us. No problem, Ellen. Thanks for having me. I always want to spread your message and talk about what Women in Distress does for people in our community who are in abusive relationships and looking to escape. Before we get to teen dating violence awareness, I want to ask you, you had your recent Women's Empowerment Forum, the fifth year, 
Can you talk about what was discussed and was anything new learned? You know, this year we took a little bit of a different approach with the Women's Empowerment Forum. In the past, we've had a speaker come in and speak about domestic violence issues. And this year, due to the pandemic and a number of things we're seeing in the community, we actually partnered with healthcare and hospitals to have a panel interview about what it looks like in the healthcare system and some of the things that can occur over long-term abuse that are not just related to the psychological components, but also the physical components and what they're seeing in the world today as a result of the pandemic. I sit on an advisory board with a local hospital here, and we knew that the numbers were going up over the course of the pandemic, obviously, but they had seen an increase in their emergency room of 22%. Wow. And it's such a huge number. If you really think about that's nearly a quarter of the population is is really seeing this increase. And so we really wanted to highlight this so we could talk about what does that mean and where are we headed and what are some of the interventions that we're using in the hospitals and with doctor's offices to really start to recognize early symptoms of domestic violence and help folks at the hospital level. And so it was just a great opportunity for folks that may not know how much healthcare and hospitals really pour into domestic abuse survivors also and how they can be a resource for survivors when you can't go anywhere else. Maybe you can't get to a domestic violence center like WID and instead you can get to a doctor's office and have a conversation about what you're going through. Now, if I remember correctly, doctors and emergency room attendants are required to report what they believe is child abuse. Is it the same with adult abuse? It is not. It absolutely is not. And many survivors do not want to disclose or that battery may be in the hallway or in other places in the hospital where they may not feel comfortable. And so it's figuring out those ways that someone can work with a survivor in the hospital setting and get them resources. So we provide a lot of resources to the medical community to make sure that they have our contact information, that they know how to reach us. They can call the hotline if we need to meet someone or have them come into shelter or come and meet with our staff. And so, you know, I just really think that it was such an intense and very important conversation. It was very eye-opening for people to hear the sheer volume of folks. And especially we had a OBGYN and she spoke a lot about the interaction between pregnancy and domestic violence. There's a huge increase when a domestic abuse survivor gets pregnant. And that can look very different. And it's very confusing because you're carrying the baby of someone who may not be the best person for you. Right. But here you are in this situation where, you know, you're growing a life and then at home it's not a safe environment. Now you're protective of another human. So some of those things are just so complicated. And when you peel the onions away, you really have to get down to how do we help folks recognize and then how do we get them safe and keep them safe? So what are they doing in emergency rooms and doctor's offices when they suspect that someone is a victim of domestic abuse? In addition to handing out your information, are they now able to engage in a conversation that says, you know, we'd like to bring in the police? How can and what is it that they're seeing? I mean, obviously, we know about when someone's wearing long sleeves in summer, lots of makeup, they're covering up bruises. But what other things are they seeing that makes it clear that this is not a typical situation? It's interesting you bring that up. One of the doctors spoke about the behavior of a batter in a hospital setting, right? So a lot of it isn't just what you see from the victim, but Uh. batters will come with the survivor to an appointment or to the doctor's office, the emergency room, and then they'll do things like speak for the survivor. 
you know, the doctor will ask the patient a question and the batter will say, well, this is what I think, or this is what's going on and never allow her or him to voice what is really going on. There may be withdrawal from physical touch. He may be putting his hand on her. And I, I use those terms because that's generally the group we see, but it could be any gender. And, you know, they may put their hand on someone and to an outside person, it may look like support, but the doctor will recognize the shrinking away of the physical touch. Oh. And that's a red flag. So what they've started doing is a a couple different things. One, some hospitals are using what I call the marker method. So you can, in the bathrooms, and you may have seen this on social media, in the bathrooms, they'll have the marker for a UA, right? So you may have to go in and do a urinalysis and there'll be two colored markers on the wall. And it will say on the wall, on the poster, if you feel safe in your environment in your home and you're just here for a visit and you don't need to speak with someone, please draw your name in red marker on your urine cup. And then transversely, if you don't feel safe in your home or you need to have a private conversation with a nurse or doctor, please draw your name in black marker and we will get you out of the room and have a conversation. Or they'll remove the other person and say, unfortunately, this is a a private conversation and we are required by law to have a personal conversation with everyone separately. That's brilliant. So it also takes away the fear of having to say it out loud, right? Right Mm -hmm. Right away. You know, we try to really put things in place so that survivors have the ability to reach out, but it's not so scary. And it's still empowering them to make the decision when they're ready to speak up. And doctors will occasionally, and and this was something that the doctor on the panels agreed with, if they notice some of the symptoms, like I described, where they're shrinking away or there's someone in the room who continues to overspeak the patient, they will ask that person to leave and have a separate conversation. Uh, Most of the hospitals around here are pretty well trained to recognize negative behaviors. It may not be what it looks like, but you'd always rather be safe than sorry. Absolutely. I love this. And to anyone who needs assistance, you know where you can go. And to anyone who is in a hospital setting and hasn't learned about this, you know you can turn to Women in Distress for resources and information. Now, Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. I'm sure this is every parent's nightmare to think their child could get involved in an abusive relationship, but it is very real. And that's actually your theme this year, Be Real in Relationships. What do you mean by that? So, you know, it's tough because social media and the way technology has an impact on our youth today can make things seem unreal, like it's not what it seems. Or you can be very, and this is what the primary prevention team and I talked about, you can be a very different person in your social media life Mm -hmm. than you are in real life. Yeah. Right. Everybody looks good on social media and they're having the time of their lives. Yep. And it's hard to, it's hard to, when you see that, especially as a young, impressionable teenager, because we still have the same development path. We just have new technology that changes the way we envision that. But if you really think about where they're at developmentally, they're really trying to just fit in and be loved also. And that is a tough place, man. I, I raised four kids and three of those were teenage girls and one teenage son. And We just bridged the gap in technology. So they had time before and after. And I saw a change and I see a change now as they age and how they interact with social media, but then also the realness of your life and really what's going on. And that was what the primary prevention team really wanted to showcase, which is you can be real and be a support and also be real to yourself about the relationships that you're in. And, you know, I think that it can be very difficult to recognize for young 
people right away because they're new to relationships. Right. So they're new to the red flags that occur in relationships and they're new to seeing how relationships shifts and change. Right. And and what is their role model? Things probably that they see on TV or in movies or on social media. And fortunately, Women in Distress has an outreach program in the public schools to actually mm-hmm. teach them what healthy relationships look like and that what they see on TV is maybe not what it really is. That's exactly right. And then we also partner with the parents, right? Because we don't want to take the place parental, you know, giving young adults information that the parents are not aware of or that the parents can't engage with. Last year we did, and I believe we're doing it this year, and at least for the summer, we did a very popular panel where it was broken out. So there was a a training that started with both kids and adults, and then we broke out into two separate rooms and had discussions with the teens and the parents. The parents about These are the things that your children are going through. This is what you're going to see if there's a problem. Here's some tools to support with positive and not negative reinforcement. And then for the teens, we talked about what does a healthy relationship look like really? And are these healthy relationships or are they not? And what is the role of jealousy in a relationship and how does that look? And then when should you be worried about the partner you're with? And I think that for kids, it helps them conceptualize and really see, okay, this is a picture of a healthy relationship. This isn't. And I need to get some help. Okay. I know you have a series of workshops for parents. (laughs) These are virtual workshops throughout this month, starting on today's on Thursday. (laughs) 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 We really want parents to be involved in this process with us because we are only going to be touching the kids virtually for a very short period of time, but you get them every day. You get to see their demeanor changes. You get to see the way they interact with their friends. You are the change for them. And you are going to see the red flags, hopefully, long before it gets to a high level. So that's the importance of parental involvement. And those are weekly throughout the month. Actually, there's there's five still coming up before the end of the month, and they're all going to be available live virtually at the Women in Distress website, womenindistress.org. If you do a slash events, you'll find February and then you can look up everything for Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. And we're kind of kicking things off on Tuesday with Wear Orange Day. Now, why is February 7th the day that you do this? Honestly, I believe that's connected to the national movement of wearing orange, which is the color for Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, just like purple is the color for domestic violence and teal is for sexual assault. So we chose that day as a kickoff to the month to remind all everyone, ourselves, everyone, that this is an important topic and that we need to be supporting the youth in our communities as they change and develop and grow into healthy, healthy adults. And what hashtags or tags should we be using so that if someone wants to search it, they can find all the posts? So hashtag TVAM is the one that we use the most. Hashtag with TVAM. Okay. Um, TDVAM? Yes. Right. Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Violence Awareness Month. So, yes. So those are the hashtags for this month. Okay. And there's also a wear orange and, of course, the theme, be real in relationships, which is such a great message. And then you incorporated a drive-through distribution and resource fair. And I actually have in my mind what I think is the correlation, but I'd rather let you tell us (laughs) (laughs) why those two things fit together. 
Well, you know, resources for teens can sometimes be different for resources for um, adults. And also you need the resources for the parents. And it's hard right now, you know, socioeconomically across the board, we're seeing all kinds of needs. And so this is a good opportunity to target a group that really needs some extra support. Teenagers need some extra support. Parents need extra support. And so because it's a teen-focused month, we really want to be able to get some things that will help them, support them, and support mom and dad so that they can go out and do what they need to do and create a healthy environment in the home. So we're supporting both, even though it's Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, we recognize that parents are a big component in that. Yes. Okay. And certainly those who are having economic difficulties are more likely to be in pressure situations that can trigger the violence. Okay. So that's on February 18th from 10 a.m. to noon at Roosevelt Gardens Park in Fort Lauderdale. We're going to have all this information on our events listing on our website and also on our community resources page where Women in Distress lives on in perpetuity. We will never take you down as long as you are a vital resource for our community. And again, listen, you know, you, you guys were there from the beginning of the recognition that abuse in relationships is a real situation, you know, when people first started talking about it and not just covering it up and, and you know, well, you know, my husband, he just got a little frisky or whatever. Um, right, exactly. And again, to point out that it's not just male abuse to female abuse. There can be female to male, male to male, female to female. It goes all genders, all combinations. But like you say, the majority is male to female. So we refer to it that way. Is there anything else that our listeners should know while we're talking now? The only thing I would say is if you know someone that's needing assistance, please let them know that we're available. Our hotline is available 24 hours a day with the increase in domestic violence. I just want to make sure folks know that we're always here. Okay. And the hotline number is? That number is 954-761-1133. Dr. Linda Parker, President and CEO of Women in Distress, Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. Let's get our orange on on Tuesday and post those selfies with the hashtags TDVAM and Women in Distress, TDVAM. Thank you so much for your time and for everything you do to support our families and our teens. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-S-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and have a wonderful day.